0: What he just quoted that verse right there, what P.B. Bliss wrote that song, uh, and that's a song of a sailor, unless you know what sailors do and how they live, uh, you would never even understand pretty much what he said, but uh, I was out, I was with a friend of mine, neither one of us knew what we were doing, and we went catamaran, and you heard me tell that story before, and, and uh, Doug Waymire, or it was Doug, 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 it wasn't Waymire, it Doug, I'll figure. I'll remember his name here in a few minutes, man. It's been so long. But uh, Doug, Doug went out, and me and him got on his catamaran. He had his catamaran, and he said, let's go catamaran. I said, okay, so we go out there. And, and I don't know nothing about You think sailors know everything about the ocean? We did. I didn't know nothing. I knew it was wet. It was a big blue wet thing. That's all I knew it was. And we got on a ship, and the captain drove it. I, I fixed stuff. I don't, I don't care. I mean, the captain told him which way to go, and they knew how to get there and all this other stuff and all the other stuff. Well, we get out there, and and we sail for about two minutes and hit a sandbar, and we drag this stupid catamaran across the sandbar and get it into deeper water, and we sail for a few seconds and hit another sandbar, and I mean, we're out there for six or seven hours from sandbar to sandbar to sandbar, and this whole time, I'm asking Doug, I'm like, what are these green and red buoys over here for? Oh, yeah, don't worry about those, man. They just, just stick them out there. And then uh, the other, the ships had already went out. The boats had already went out when, by the time we got there. So they started coming back in the afternoon about 3 o'clock. And they're all in between these two buoys. And that's a channel they dug out so that it's deep enough that you can get in and out of the harbor uh, without hitting sandbars. I said that to say this. He he quoted that, ver- uh, that song there. He says... Uh, Trim your feeble lamps, my brother. That's you. And we're feeble, but that's your lamp. And sometimes the only light this world will see is yours. They won't see any other. They won't see any other light. And you know that by how you witness to other people or how you are around other people. If you become like them, your light gets dimmer. And pretty soon they will hit that sandbar and they will wreck and crash. And you may get back into port safely. They won't. And one day, we will stand before a God and a Savior named Jesus Christ, and we will give an account of what we do on this planet, every single thing we do. He goes right here, he goes, some poor sailor, tempest-tossed, and this world is tossed up and down right now, if you don't know that. It's a mess. It's just a mess. Trying now to make the harbor, they don't even know what they're trying to get. I had no idea what we were doing out there. I just knew, here's a sailboat, and it's supposed to move. And that's all I knew. I learned something very valuable that day. If you're not between those buoys, you're going to be in trouble. And the bigger you are, the more trouble you're going to be in. And you get a big ship in something like that, and the next thing you know, just like you read in Acts chapter 28, that ship was tore apart by the waves coming in. The front of that boat stuck into the, the, uh, the sand, and the back of it was tore off. And he goes, in darkness may be lost. Uh, There's so many of us, and I'm talking about Bible-believing Christians, that live like the world. There's something wrong with us. There's something wrong. You have the Bible. You have the Word of God sitting in your fingers. You have the songs. You have everything. Yet yet we still look and live like this world looks and lives. I'm saying that for this because uh, singing songs... When you step on this platform, you need to dress like you're dressing for Jesus Christ. Okay, I, I am tired of seeing young men and young ladies get up here and dress. I mean, ladies, come on, men, you should know how to dress by now. You ought to know how to dress. Okay, uh, I am going to start checking people out and not checking them out completely. Yeah. But if 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 I don't think you're appropriately dressed and you think you're going to sing that day, I will stop you from singing. Okay? It is a privilege to be able to sing for Jesus Christ. It's a privilege. That's like people say, well, Mike makes you wear it. No, I make you wear a suit and tie or a a jacket and a shirt if you're going to preach. Why? Because you're standing. The same rules I make for myself, I make for you. This is, to me, this is sacred ground. And it needs to remain sacred ground. Now, the rest of you go say, well, I'll come in, I, I don't care. Well, if you come interested in certain things, I will stop you. I, I've, I've had a couple times where I, I've broke my thing, but rather the world is looking for a way. There's so a man passed away yesterday, Charles, Dr. Charles Stanley. Uh, you could, we could say whatever. The, the millions listened to him. He had many, many radio programs. Uh, he's a Southern Baptist. I think he's a preacher down in uh, Atlanta, 49, 50 years as a pastor. Uh, I may have disagreed with him doctrinally on a couple things here and there, Uh, but I'll tell you one thing. Over the years, one thing I know about him, he talked about Jesus Christ. And everybody that I ever talked to that talked about him to me talked about what he said about Jesus Christ. And you know a lot of people talk to me about a lot of things people say, and Jesus is never in it. And everything that man ever said got down to where is Jesus Christ. This world lost something then. I mean, I know our, I know our country's messed up, and I know a lot of our churches are messed up, and I know maybe, but you know, I, I'm not his judge. He's standing before his judge right now. Right now, Charles Stanley, Dr. Charles Stanley, is in heaven in front of Jesus Christ, somewhere. I mean, he, he may not be at the judgment seat of Christ yet, but he's there and every one of us are gonna go there also. And you don't know when it is. Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. Thank you for all you've done. Lord, I pray that you bless the rest of this message and we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen, I'm talking about the ascension. I'm gonna finish it up right now. Uh, you know what I think most of our problem is, is you don't think that you're gonna go there real quick. Uh, and you don't know the day and the hour, it could be any minute, that you're gonna be standing before Jesus Christ. And once you get there, now, brethren, this is a real thing. Dr. Charles Stanley now knows it's real. I think he knew it was real when he was preaching. Beth, on the way over here, she said, you know, about every time I've ever heard him preach he, he used, or, or uh, quoted scripture, he would use King James. Now, I never listened to him enough to know that, uh, but she said he, he did. Well, if he did, uh, that's because that was bred into him as a young man. And, and that book right there is one of the most important things. 49 years. You know, you find, you find a lot of stuff out about a man. Uh, the Southern Baptists, a lot of people say, well, if, if you ever get divorced, you can't serve God. Well, somewhere in the 90s, his wife left him. Well, the typical thing is, uh, well, if you're that, you've got to get out of the ministry. Well, all of a sudden, Dr. Charles Stanley got faced with the problem. And he had to make a decision whether to get out of the ministry or not. Guess what he did? He didn't. Because the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God called that man to do something and he did it, how could you walk away from it? You know what I think? A lot of us were called to be Christians. You get saved, you're called to be a Christian. They were first called Christians at Antioch. The reason they were called Christians at Antioch is because they were like Christ. How much does your life reflect Jesus Christ? We bought some cabinets from uh, one of the guys here locally, Brother Rich, uh, knew a a young man down here, and he he said the young man wasn't a Christian at all, didn't even go to church and he got over here, and I had him look at all the things he gave me. He looked at them, and, and after he gave, looked at all the cabinets, and he, he didn't give me a quote yet. Uh, he gave me a quote today. I got the quote. We went on and bought the cabinets from him. Uh, when it was all said and done, uh, I asked him something. Somebody said something, and somehow we got on the conversation. I don't even know how we got on it. And it was about 35, 40 minutes, man. We sit there, and that young man stood there and listened to every word I said. Now, when he walked away, did he get saved? No, he didn't get saved, but boy, he sure got it. Did he get an earful? He got an earful. And I'm telling you, man, I I told the guy, I said, it's logical. It's only logical. It's only logical. It's illogical not to serve Jesus Christ. It's illogical. You're making a bad mistake not doing it. I don't care what happens in your life, how bad it gets. Jesus Christ is always there. You're making a very, very, very bad mistake. Not serving Jesus Christ and serving your flesh. You're making a bad mistake. Why? Because like Dr. Charles Stanley, you're going to be standing there one day. Dr. Charles Stanley had to make a decision one day. Well, my wife left me. You know, I went out online because I'm a snoopy guy. And when I heard, I didn't even know he was divorced until I was reading his obituary today. And then I said, I wonder why he got divorced. It doesn't really say. It just says his wife got tired of him. Kind of. (laughs) Well, Beth gets tired of me all the time. (laughs) That's a wonder she hadn't left me a thousand times. I get tired of her from time to time. It's a wonder I haven't left her. Uh, then I think about it, I was like, I'm like Peter, where else am I going to go? I can't find nobody else who will take me. <laughs> I, I like, I think it was uh, Adrian Rogers said one time, he says, my wife ever leaves me, I'm going with her. <laughs> I think that's all I can do, man. Take your Bibles. We're going to look at a couple of things on, on uh, the Ascension to finish it off tonight. brother. Uh, this thing is real. It is real. It is real. Uh, it is so real that your life should be circled around it all the time. You should be ready at any moment to go and see him. And that, the, we, we, I go in the Navy, and the Navy says, if y'all didn't know, I was in the Navy, it's in the Navy. They have rules and regulations. You say, oh, well, he's got, hey, hey, they got rules and regulations that if you want to succeed in the United States Navy or the military in general, you do what they tell you to do. I didn't have a problem with that. I looked at everything, they said, police force? I don't care where you go. I was looking at Brother Barry back. He's in the police force. He retired in the police force. They have rules. Do I agree with all the rules? No. Some of them are stupid, but you still do it if it isn't going to go against you. The only only problem I ever had with the United States Navy was when they told me to go in a bar room, and I was going to drink whiskey in front of a 1,000 men, and I said, I will not, and the way they wanted me to drink it, it wasn't even the way they wanted me to drink it. I'm not going to stand in front of a 1,000 men and do something like that that I'm not going to get a chance to witness to them guys anymore because every single time they're going to come back and say, Mike, you did this that night. That was my peer group in the Navy. And they were going to put me in front of a thousand men and women that were cheese, these heavens and above. And they wanted me to do this in front of them. And I would have took Jesus Christ and I would have done that right there, stomped him under my foot right in front of every one of them. And somewhere down the road when I got a chance to witness to him, my witness would have meant nothing. You know what happens when you live like this world? All you're saying is you really don't think about the ascension very much. You don't think that he's really that or watching. and, And he's not really that important to you. Something else is more important. The flesh, the flesh. Uh, as I was looking up Dr. Charles Stanley's thing, I, I hate the internet, man, but there was this uh, ad and it showed a lot of, of people's, I guess, movie stars or famous people, Kid, kids. You're talking about a bunch of screwed up kids, young people. I mean, they were messed up. You go down through that look list and look at that list. Some of them, I didn't even know who they were, but they were messed up. You know what fame and fortune does? It messes up everything. You know what Jesus Christ does? He corrects it. I like Christ, man. I like it. That young man, he called me today. He gave me the quote. He beat everybody else. I said, hey, man, I'm going to buy the cabinets from you. Uh, I didn't say anything about Jesus Christ, but he talked to me. He said, hey, Mike, how are you doing? First name basis. I'll get another chance to talk to him because I'm going to get all these cabinets from him. I'm going to get another chance. I was talking to Brother Rich. he said, well, this brother, this young man, he's watched him change over the years, but he never got into church anywhere. You know what that is? That's nobody's living it. The kid hadn't seen it in anybody. He needs to, You know what people in this world needs to see? They need to see him in you, a risen living Savior dwelling in you and not us becoming like them. What's so hard is we go work with people and we become like them. We start acting like them. We start dressing like them. We start acting, and then we bring it into the church and we think it's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay to be like them. Well, that's rules. You go into corporate America, guess what? They got rules. If you want to become vice president or president or CEO of a company, there's rules you got to follow. You got to accept The big companies, you got to accept transgenders, queers, faggots. uh, Anything out there that they want you to accept, you got to accept it if you want to move up. Brother, there comes a point where you draw a line and say "No." no. No. Now, with all that said, the necessity of the ascension, we looked at that last week. There is a reason why he had to do it. It had to happen. Heaven was his home. He came here to get something and go back. That's all he did. If he hadn't come, you would have never got the chance. He didn't need to come. He could have just blew the universe away and started over again. He already tried that with Noah. It didn't work. He said, I ain't going to ever do this again because it ain't going to work. It's just not going to work. The other plan, plan B. You know, I was reading my Bible. You ever read your Bible? Interesting book. If you ever get a chance to read it. Uh, you ought to take a few minutes. It's a good book to read. Uh, I was reading Luke chapter 3. And it starts in Luke chapter 3. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to just, I'm going to. It's an amazing book. You ever read Chronicles? Man, Chronicles change your life. (laughs) Uh, 23, Luke 23, uh, 3, 23 says that Jesus himself being about 30 years of age, being as was supposed, the son of Joseph. He wasn't the son of Joseph. But then it goes on and gives you the bloodline of Mary. It's not giving you the bloodline of Joseph here, as supposed, the son of as it wasn't. This wasn't um, Joseph's bloodline, and it starts with the son of Heli, and it goes through a whole bunch of names. I ain't going to read them all. Go to verse 38, which was the son of Enos. I go to 37. I like 37, which was the son of Methuselah, which was the son of Enoch. Enoch was a good guy. You know why Enoch was a good guy? He walked with God, and God just took him. Uh, which was the son of Jared, which was the son of uh, uh, Malalil, which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. you got a list of a whole bunch of names, and God took very good care about those names right there. And they start all from a man named Heli. They go all the way back to Adam. And every one of those men did what they were supposed to do and they're in the bloodline of Jesus Christ and if they had not done what they would, you would not be in heaven today. Every single one of those men over the 4,000 years that they lived, they were not perfect. They did what God told them to do and the outcome of that thing was a young lady named Mary who was well-pleasing to God. That girl, that girl was in a place where God could use her Right when it got time to use her and Gabriel come down. You know, I was sitting there reading about uh, uh, Elizabeth and Zacharias. Zacharias talking to Gabriel in there about having John. And he goes, how will I know this? He said, you ain't going to speak for six months. You ain't going to speak until that boy's born because you didn't believe me. Mary's like, okay, I'll do whatever you say. That sounds really good to me. <laughs> I'm thinking that's the difference. What's wrong with us? Yeah. We're, we're on one side the, and you're sitting there talking to an angel. In the temple, and he's telling you you're going to have a kid. Why not start rejoicing instead of saying, well, how will I know this is true? Because I'm telling you, you moron. <laughs> have you seen an angel before? No. And Mary just sits there like this. is an ever-. You know why Mary, her heart was already there. Zacharias was in the temple. He was working in the temple. And when he got a vision in the temple, he didn't know what to do with it. So many times, brethren, we get stuff, and this isn't something that's fake and phony. This isn't something that's just... A, a, a fantastic thing. that No, this is a real life thing. Uh, your life changed the day you got saved. My life changed. Charles Stanley's life changed. I believe Charles Stan, Dr. Charles Stanley was saved. Uh, like I said, I can't judge him. He, Dr. Roman always said, if you can't say something good about somebody, don't say nothing at all. So I'm not going to say nothing negative about the man. I mean, he spoke to millions. I will never get a chance to speak to millions. He had, a, he had an opportunity to influence a lot of people. And out of his mouth always came Jesus Christ. Now, he may have taught some things that weren't quite right or not as deep or in depth that it should have been. But out of his mouth always came Jesus Christ. What comes out of your mouth all the time? When you leave out of these doors and go home, what are you watching? Are you watching the stars, kids? Are you watching the stars out there? Are they influencing your life? I think they're a bunch of jokes. They're lost. They're on their way to hell. Why would I? Oh, man, I better get it. Necessity. (laughs) You know what the ascension does? It makes you get on the right side. That's what it did for me. The divine plan that the Holy Spirit would not come. He had to ascend so the Spirit of God could come. He had to. Uh, John 16, 7 says, it is expedient. Christ tells them. They don't understand. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Why? So he can teach you in all things. We're not availing. We will spend our lives learning about everything we can learn about but that. You know why I read my Bible four times a year? is to get that in my head. It has nothing to do with anything else. If I don't put this in my head, something else is going to get in my head. You're going to put something else in your head. The question is, what are you putting in? What are you trying to do? Well, I want to serve God. Exactly what do you think serving the Lord is? You need to stop and ask yourself sometimes. What is the serving the Lord? The ascension of Christ was a prerequisite to his further work in preparing mansions. So he said, uh, John 14, one, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, you believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it's not so, I told you so. I go to prepare. So there's things in the future he's still doing that is going on. Brethren, this thing is a real lie, it's ongoing. You're in training right now. You're in preparation, in training to serve Jesus Christ the millennium's coming out there and we get to rule and reign with him for a thousand years. Maybe. Maybe. That isn't a guaranteed thing. He sit there and said, I, I give each, each person, I gave them the exact same thing. And what they do, oh, well, Mike, you're a preacher. I wasn't 43 years ago. I was in a bigger mess than you were 43 years ago, most of you. And I got a hold of something to change my life. Some of you are way, way better than I was in condition than I was. And you're not serving him the way you should be. You know why this church isn't full? Because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You know why you don't have a lot of people? Let me ask you a question. You shall know them by their fruits. Where's your fruits at? Where's your fruits at? You should have some fruits. Jesus cursed the tree. If Jesus walks up to a tree and says, I want fruit, that tree should have immediately dropped a piece of fruit in his lap. If there was no fruit on that tree, it should have went and dropped right into his hand. And it didn't. And he cursed that tree and it died, withered it died. You know, the Lord's going to come back. He's going to expect to see something on us. He's going to look, He's going to look for something. This, this, this is serious. This is serious stuff. I, I am not going to get blamed at the judgment seat of Christ for you not knowing what this book says. And brethren, I there's other people that are more eloquent. Doctor Stanley was probably a whole lot more eloquent than I ever was. Doctor Rutman was more knowledgeable and eloquent. Well, he wasn't as eloquent, maybe. No, he was more eloquent, <laughs> but he was rough. He was rough. I never got well, I never got upset about anything that man said. I don't think he ever said anything. Uh, almost everything he said stopped me in my tracks and made me start thinking. What am I doing? I don't care what anybody else does. What am I doing for the cause of Christ? What am I doing? And when they tried to get me on that ship to go out there and do that, I said, "What am I going to do to the name of Christ when I walk out in front of these people and do that?" You know when you walk into your workplace and you do that in your that's the same exact thing. I walked those halls of those ships and they knew I they called me the God squad. And anybody hung with me, there's the God squad. Do they have that? Has anybody ever said that to you? That was, a, that was a cut down. I took it as a compliment. I'm like, yeah, man, I know what side I'm on. I'm on his side. I want to stay on his side too. The, the plan was holy. The plan was uh, a prerequisite for him to do what he's doing. So we, we hit that last week. The purpose of his ascension. Go to 17.1. John 17.1. So if there's a purpose, then there's a future plan. If there's a future plan, then there's future for us in that plan. And what we need to do is say, hey, wait a minute, this thing didn't, it didn't just stop at the cross. And it didn't stop at him going to hell and dropping our sins off. And it didn't stop at his ascension. It's, it's ongoing. And we're brethren, we're part of that. Right now, today, we're part of what he did. And we get the privilege and the honor to, to further what he did back there today. He gives us the ability. You know why you come to church? To learn how to do what you do so you can go out into this world and teach people. Or you take a Bible course and you learn about the Bible course. Brother Steve, I, I, I'm, he's amazing me, man. I mean, really is. And I'll, I'll use him. I hope he don't turn red on me sitting here. But the other day, that, and I'll use him as an example, but the other day, uh, uh, Brother Perry asked me about going uh, street preaching. I, I didn't have time to do it. And I, don't, I can't do everything, so I don't, I don't even feel guilty about not going. So I called Brother Jonathan and I said, hey, Brother Jonathan, I said, uh, can you uh, go? I thought it was just going to be Brother Perry and Jonathan out there street preaching. So Jonathan has this brilliant idea of putting it on the, the, the uh, information thing. It's not even a prayer chain anymore. That's more an informational thing. That, that, and guess what? Eight people show up for street preaching. And Brother Steve is one of them. That's the first time he's been out there. You know what's happened to him? He started getting taught some stuff. And all of a sudden, he realizes, hey, I, got, I, thought, I thought somebody went over and drug him out of his house and made him go. And he showed up here on his own, by himself, showed up here. Brother, that has nothing to do with me. I would have never thought in a million years that he'd been there. Not that, brother, I don't think you're spiritual or anything, but he did. Well, I would have never thought in a million years I'd have showed up, but I could have, <laughs> you know, who knows? But he showed up and goes out there and the first day. He goes, that was different. Of course that's different, man. You're talking about a blast, man. You know what that does? It's like all of a sudden you realize whose side you're on standing there. You know when you witness to somebody, you know what they're looking for? Can I I give you a gospel track to tell you about? Are you afraid of him? Did I act like that when I was talking to Jake the other day, brother? No, no man, I was was like everywhere, man. I was on every single, I'm like, look, I'm not stupid. I can tear stuff apart and put it back together. I'm not ignorant. And for me to think this world is just, just here by accident is stupid. That's ignorant. Amen. I believe in evolution. That's foolish. Yeah. Yeah. There is no possible way. We Flat earthers, man. Them guys are idiots. <laughs> they believe the earth is flat, and they use their cell phone. You wouldn't need a cell phone if the earth was flat. Everything would be line of sight. You wouldn't, need, you wouldn't need none of that <laughs> stuff. You could yell, but they'd probably hear you the purpose of the ascension. Jesus ascended John 17 one. Oh man, I just get, I just, I'm thinking about Charles Stanley, Dr. Charles Stanley. I can't get him off my mind. That man spent 49 years of his life serving Jesus Christ the best he could. And I'm going to tell you, man, I know a lot. My mom's listening to Dr. Charles Stanley over and over and over again. She was one, I think a long time ago, told me he was divorced. I didn't ever check it out, but I think she was the first one because she's Catholic. And Catholic, you get divorced, you go right to hell, man, I guess. I don't know. Purgatory for another 30,000 years or something. I'm not sure what that is. But, uh, but that's why the priests don't get married, so they can't ever get divorced, so they can't ever get in trouble. <laughs> I think. There's probably some other reasons, too. But, but you, I, I sit there, I can't get the guy out of my head. He's standing before Jesus Christ. He's in heaven right now. Now, I know other people die and they'll go there, too. But, but he's a prominent figure in our country. And his profession goes before him. And other people, you say, well, they're all weak and beggarly. Yeah, they may be. And they may never have been strong, solid Christians like they should. And you may look at some Southern Baptists out there and say, hey, they got the wrong Bible. They got this. They got that. But he still told them about Jesus Christ. brother. I'm telling you, it's a great thing. 17.1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son, that thy son may glorify thee. You know what our job here is? To glorify Jesus Christ. Amen. You know what Jesus was showing us just before he left? He was showing us how to glorify the Father. If you want to glorify the Father, what you're going to do is you're going to go through some things. We try to get out of the things. Trials and tribulation. I was talking to Brother Yoakim the other day, and he got out of the hospital. He's home. He's still going through some things, and and he said, brother, you know what I learned is, is uh, tribulations work with patience. You ain't patience. Sometimes God puts you through something, and the problem is, is we don't let him work it out. We try to work it out our way because we come up with this brilliant idea how we're going to do it. Okay, here's the problem. I'm going to solve it like this. Don't do it, man. Let it go. Let it go. Wait. Guess what? The, the, the solution will always appear, maybe not in your time frame. But the solution will always, for 65 years, I've watched the solution. And every single time I jumped ahead of the game, I had to back up. And thank God that none of them were that that serious and it wasn't that hard to back up. But he says he's trying to glorify Jesus. Number two, Jesus ascended to become the prince and savior. Go to Acts 5.31. Now, what I'm trying to do is get you to see that he's a risen, living savior. You're serving a risen, living God. That's what you're serving. You're not serving this arbitrary thing out there that is is a... He said, one of the Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any any graven images. It is not a statue over here. He is there. He's sitting in heaven. We're going to see some other things about that right right now. Uh, uh, Acts 5.31. Acts 5.31 says this. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. And we are his witnesses. Jesus Christ is in heaven sitting right now. God's made him a prince. Jesus ascended sent his forerunner. Oh, look at this. Go to Hebrews 6.20. Hebrews 6.20. He made a way for us. 6.20. 6.20. Wither the forerunner. <laughs> See, here's here you go. Watch this. We this is our this is our church verse right here. Go to 19, uh, 619. Which hope we have, oh man. Yeah, 619 yeah, is good. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. This is where we got our, our church name. Both sure and steadfast, and which entereth in that within the, uh, with entereth into that within the veil. Whither the forerunner is for uh, is for us, entered, even Jesus. Uh, as far as even Jesus made and high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek the first guy to do it was Jesus Christ he came and opened the door and went back now the door is open for each and every one of us if you ever walk through that door if you're in this room tonight and you know you're saved brethren I never never ever ever assume anybody's saved just because they tell me they're saved there ought to be, I like James. He said, show me your faith without works and I'll show you mine with it. I know exactly what he's talking about here. He's not talking about salvation. But if you say you're saved and you're not walking a Christian life, I gotta question that thing, man. I mean, there is something about you that you have not really met Jesus Christ the way you should have met him. There's something about if you love this world more than you love him. If, if I said at the beginning of saying that I'm gonna start critiquing what people wear, if that offended you, then you got a problem. I think Jesus cares about how we look and how we dress and how we act in front of other people. I think he cares. Why? Because it, we're reflecting him. We're not, it's not us that we're for reflecting. He, we're reflecting Jesus Christ, and if we bring damage to him, brethren, I'm telling you what, we're going to answer for it one day. I'm telling you, I keep thinking about Charles Stanley. I can't get him out of my mind. <laughs> I'm going to be there with him one day. And I guess, I'll tell you what, I won't be able to point my finger at him and say, oh, you, the Lord's going to say, ah, shut up, Mike. How about this? And how about you? And this, and this, and uh, they, I won't have to worry about Charles Stanley. I won't have to worry about none of them guys. I have to worry about Mike Elliott, who I'm going to worry about, and you got to have to worry about you. Uh, uh, Jesus ascended to become a prince. Jesus ascended as our forerunner. He prepared our heavenly bold, John 14, 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. Uh, to be our high priest, now, go to 921, Hebrews 9.21 if you're already there. 9.21. This is what he did. He's, he's out there, man. He's out there doing something right now. And we're here doing something too. Everybody's here doing something. And if you're if you're not doing it, it ain't gonna work. He's doing something. Uh, Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9:21. Says, moreover, he's sprinkled, uh, moreover, he's sprinkled with blood, both the tabernacle, and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are, are by the law, am I in the right place? Yes, I am, are, are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding the blood, there is no re, remission of sin. There's none, zero. Uh, he, made, he made our way through. He's a forerunner. Uh, 23, it goes, It was therefore necessary that the patterns of these things in the heavens should be purified with these but the, the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Verse 24, for Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figure of the true, but in heavenly, heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. You know, you, when he says you have an, uh, uh, an advocate with the Father, that's him. You have right now somebody that you can get down. So let us come boldly under the throne of grace. You have somebody right now in heaven 24-7 that you can call upon. You say, I'm going through some things, and I just don't like the way. I've told people down through time, don't do it that way. Don't do it that way. Don't do it that way. And they'll do it their way, and it blows up and turns into a total mess. Then they always get mad at the person who told them, don't do it that way, like it was our fault. And the fault is not. The the, tell, the the bearer of bad news, the fault is the one who did it. If you do not wait on the Lord to show you, you know what you're telling everybody? Is you do not really believe that he will. The Lord will tell you what to do. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you wait. Be still, wait, I say on the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. Wait. The moment you head out, you say, well, I'm in a place where I don't think I should be. Good, stay right where you're at. Unless it's you're getting killed or beaten up all the time, something like that. Maybe you ought to leave. I, I, come and tell me about that. We'll, we'll, we'll fix you up a place. We're getting some apartments out here. We'll set you in one. But however, comma, if it's just because of your foolish pride, only by pride comes contention. You know, you sometimes like husbands and wives, they get into this thing, and it's a pride thing. And all of a sudden, the wife stands up. Now, ladies, I love all of you. Man, you're great. We, I wouldn't be here without one. I mean, I couldn't be here. But God set you in a place to be under somebody else. And that's the correct order. I, I didn't make this up. I wish, if, if the Lord reversed that, the guys are supposed, that's the way it's working out today. It seems to work okay for most guys out there today. They do whatever their wives tell them to do. But that's not the way God sets the thing up. And if you want God in the middle of that thing, you say, well, mine isn't that way, then pray about that thing. That's where prayer, I got, I got some books on the inbound if you want one. I got five or six more copies. I'll give you one, teach you how to pray. They said, Father, teach us how to pray. You don't say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's not how you pray. There's another way to pray other than that to get answers. And your Father will work it out. You know, most of the time you're in the mess you're in because of you. Oh, let me rephrase that. Most of the time I'm in the mess I'm in because of me. You guys are all saints, angels, so you don't have no problem. Uh, He's our high priest. To make the, and to take his appropriate seat. go to 10, 10, 12, and 13. He's a king now. He is not Jesus of Nazareth. He is not the Irish guy with long hair and blue eyes and, and like that. That's not him anymore. Uh, he is not one that's going to take grief from anybody, uh, Roman or uh, Hebrews 10, 12 and 13. Man, this is, this is a great book. By the which we, we, we are sanctified. Now, if you've been sitting in class with me on Thursday nights, well, actually on Monday nights now, uh, I've been going through sanctification. There's three parts of it. Uh, you get sanctified the day you get saved, which is your spirit, soul. Then you live a sanctified life. You sanctify your life daily. You, you, you die daily. That's why Paul said you die daily. And the, the day the Lord takes you out of here, you get totally sanctified, and you're done, man. I mean, you're never going to sin. Your, your flesh is renewed. You get all that other stuff, man, when he comes back and gets us out of here. And you get that final product. But brethren, I'm telling you what, you're going to answer for everything you do from first one to the third one. There's a point in here that you're, that's where the judgment seat of Christ comes in. We will answer for what we do there, and that's eternal. You know, I don't think there's a person in the world would walk before their boss and call them everything but human and expect them to keep them working. I don't think... I don't, you know, the, it's, it's amazing how we, we, we live our lives and work through things and we submit to certain things in this world that we disagree with, but when it comes to the Bible and the Lord tells us to submit the way he tells us to submit, we refuse to do it. But we do it to the world. And this is a temporal thing. That's an eternal thing. Uh, he teaches us on the temporal things how to do the eternal thing, and the eternal thing is to serve him. You know what a blessing is? I keep thinking about Dr. Charles Stanley. I can't get him out of my mind. He went out with his boots on. Now, he, he stayed in the fight. He could have left. His son got mad at him and quit going to church with him in Atlanta and went out and started an ecumenical piece of trash garbage church probably. And he doesn't even say Baptist on it. Now, Dr. Charles Stanley was in First Baptist Church in, in Atlanta. His son went out and started some uh, ecumenical thing. Because he got mad at his dad because his dad wouldn't leave the church. Well, God called him to preach. You know, sometimes you can't learn stuff till you're faced with actually the problem. And we can say, this is what we think we should do or we should, we should do. But all of a sudden, you're faced with a the problem. Then you say, wait a second. You know what makes me think he's saved and was serving God? is because when he was faced with that problem, if he had done just the pat answer that the Southern Baptist Church would have said, he would have resigned the church and, and went off into obscure... Uh, just obscurity out there. He just disappeared. But when he got to that point, he realized, he said, Lord, what do I do? And Lord says, did I call your wife? No. Did I call you? Yes. That's Dr. Ruttman. Did I call you? Yes. Then what are you going to do? you going to quit on me? And he didn't. This was in the 90s. This is 23. That puts him almost 30 years in the ministry With that issue in a Southern Baptist church that tells you that if you ever get a divorce, uh, you can't serve God. You can't be in the ministry. Dr. Charles Stanley was. As a matter of fact, his church led him. The first Baptist church of Atlanta. I always thought Atlanta was the pits. It might be still, but there's still still a ray of light in there somewhere. Somewhere, somewhere. Uh, Jesus ascended as a forerunner. He, He prepared our place. The results of his ascension, he gave gifts unto men. Uh, Ephesians 4.8, because he went, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. What? He gave some apostles, Ephesians uh, 4.8, 4.11, some apostles, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. What? For the perfecting of the saints. You know why you got saved? You didn't get saved just to get saved. You get saved to tell somebody else. You got saved to get you into heaven, but you became a worker of Jesus Christ. You became a servant. You didn't come get saved to run a bus ministry. You didn't get saved. Man, I know a lot of churches, they, I'm not talking about churches who have buses. Buses are good, I guess. Uh, I, I mean, they're rough. They're rough. I was on a bus route one time. And it's, it's rough. But you didn't get saved to be an usher or this or that. or that. No, no. Those are all little things that you get the privilege to do to serve Jesus Christ. You got saved to get to heaven, to get out of a place called hell to go to heaven. Then once you did, you got saved to serve him not the church. It just so happens that you get to serve out of the church, which is good. Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. We need teachers all over the place today. We need people to go out and tell people about Jesus Christ. That's what we need. You need to tell them like you believe it. Like you believe it. Uh, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying. This isn't just to me, this is to us. He goes for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's what Jesus went back for—to open the door so we could serve. Well, there's a lot of preachers out there that says I am going to be the one who do, does everything, and I've got that problem, man. I mean, I start doing stuff, and and I, I mean, I'm just—it's easier for me sometimes just to go through and do it all. But you know what? I'm realizing I, I was sent up in that house up on the hill today and and uh, yesterday, and the guy was looking at all the cabinets up there that they're going to put in that house. And uh, brother Joe was sitting there going, "Are we going to get the cabinets in that house?" I'm like, "Shut up, Joe! Just shut up! Shut up! I don't want to hear! It. I don't want to hear!" It. He goes, "Are we going to do this?" I'm like, "Shut up, man!" Because as soon as Joe walks away, somebody else walks up. "Are we going to do this? Are we going to do that? Are we going to do this?" And I'm like, "I can't do everything everybody wants me to do. It's just impossible, man!" Everybody goes like a thousand different ways. But when they're all gone, I'm, I'm reasoning myself. I said, "Yeah, I guess if the guy's out here, I'll probably talk to him about the cabinets up here." I, I don't want to tell Joe that because then he'll think he was right. But I, I go up there and I'm looking down. Just down through there, and you can see the house and the, the, the garage and the apartments and the, the, the apartment we got back here and the church, and it goes on down. I'm like, Lord, this, and then you see Brother Barry, his house over there, and I said, Lord, this thing is getting big. I said, they need a maintenance guy around here. That's what they need. They need a maintenance guy full time. The thing is getting, the Lord has established a work and is sitting here. Uh, even even uh, the, the guy who sold us the cabinets came out and said, I passed this place my whole life. Brother Rich said he lived right down the street. He goes, I passed this place. I used to watch this place. He said, you guys got a deal here, man. He sees it. People are seeing what the Lord is doing. And what we need to do is clean everything up so it looks decent and in order. That's why you do what you do. That's why, like I'm talking about being up here on stage. You know, it isn't that you just put on a show. You're a representative, an ambassador for Jesus Christ. What kind of an ambassador are we? Well, our property is an ambassador of Jesus Christ. If our property looks like it it's, should be told nothing, Jerry said, he calls it the projects right now. But he said eventually it will turn into luxury apartments. <laughs> but right now it's the, it's the anchor projects. And the first thing he said, everybody else said, we're going to he goes, we gonna tear it down with a bulldozer. That's what Jerry told me. You remember telling me that? I do. I mean, he, he talked bulldozer. And uh, I'm like, get out of my life. Get behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me. (laughs) But brethren, you know, we we have an opportunity in, in life. And you say, well, what is all this? You get an opportunity sometimes for somebody to drive by and look at what you have there. And they say, hey, I remember what that used to look like. I wonder what they're doing. I wonder what's going on there. I wonder. And then they get a chance to come in and they sit there and let you talk to them. And you get an opportunity to sit down with somebody. Your walk in life, whatever you do is the exact same thing. You walk into a business, you walk into your workplace, they look at you and you either act like them or you act like Jesus Christ and you will never have an effect on them if you act like you. Oh, you can get them into some ecumenical little church out here, some contemporary thing and everybody's doing the kumbaya and all that other stuff and dressing and acting and come as you you are, leave as you came. That's exactly what will happen. You'll never change them. You want to change them, you're going to have to live it. You're going to have to live it. The results, he gave gifts to men. What did he give you? Well, he gave you some of that stuff, and you're, what are you doing with it? Uh, he, he uh, oh man, let me see. Uh, the results of the, ascension, uh, the, the uh, ascension. Why he ascended? Because he ascended, the Holy Spirit descended. Man, I got, the, I got a comforter, I like that. Um, John 16, seven says this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Christ talking. It is expedient. For you that I go away. I have to go. It's a real, real thing. It is a a must needed thing to happen. He had to go to that cross. Not just to go to the cross and open the door and and die for sin. But for those on the other side who get it. He goes, I've got to go so I can send the Holy Spirit back so he can help you get through this thing. Brethren, you know what you need is help to get through this thing. Christ knows that, you can't do it by yourself. You will fold to this world like that. You will fold like a napkin, man. See this thing right here, Beth folds them and she irons them. You will fold just like that to the world. That's what you'll do without Jesus Christ, without the Holy Spirit. Christ is in heaven. He says right here, he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Why? John 14, 26, a couple chapters before that, he told him this. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. You know why you sit under preaching? So, not to hear what I say, so that maybe a piece of something every now and then will come through and the Lord will talk to you and you get something. You know why you read your Bible? Not, not just to say, I read my Bible all the way through. I knew a guy one time said, I read my Bible once, I understood. I said, You're an idiot. He handed me a Dr. Ruckman commentary on Revelations. He said, "I read that Reve- book of Revelation commentary in six hours, know it all." Here it is. I said, You're, "I said keep it, man. I said you really need to keep it. That. That's a lifelong study. I use mine. I've had mine since uh, Bible school, almost thirty years ago, and I'm still using it. Uh, I got graduated '94, 2004, 2014. Yeah, it's almost 29 years ago. I'm still using the same same commentary. I use other ones too." I don't always use just the Revelation commentary, but I use other ones. Genesis, Exodus, I use John Gill, I use all kinds of stuff. I said, brother, you know, it's, it's a study book. Oh, I know everything. You're an idiot. Yeah, you just read something and you think it's, this is a lifelong journey that we're on. He demonstrated that sin, the, uh, that sins were purged by sitting down. Go to Hebrews 1.3. Oh, man. You, you started reading. He put this stuff in this book for us to read so that you get this thing as a real life. Brother, young people, I'm not trying to steal your life. I'm trying to tell you that you're going to waste it if you go to this world. And the problem is, is you might be, uh, he mentioned 30 years old. Who was that? Somebody just mentioned somebody. There. Oh, yeah, Brother Tom. Talking to a guy in jail. Got saved under the ministry of Jack Patterson, which was a Lester Roloff ministry. 13 years old? 15. 15 15 years later, he's in jail. He had the opportunity. Guess what? You guys have the opportunity today to serve Jesus Christ. You have the opportunity to go to Pensacola Bible Institute and get a Bible education. You have the opportunity to take uh, Dr. Peacock's class down here and get a three-year course. You have the opportunity. Or 15 years from now, you might end up in prison. Wishing you did it. Boy, when he just sat there and said, I had the opportunity 15 years earlier, somebody's going to pay for me to go to Bible college, and he goes, I blew it. That's a testimony and a witness of a man that, that could keep you out of trouble if you'll stop and just listen to what Brother Tom just said. You know how many people say that? Almost every one of them. I messed up, and I wish I could go back and do it again. Young people, what you're going to do is you're going to run headlong right into it. Charles Stanley said to that, I can't get off of Charles Stanley. He's a good guy, man. I, I'm gonna start like him. I might just start listening to him all the time, too. No, I'm just joking. He said he was he was worried sometime, and he said, if the Lord told you to do something and there's a brick wall in front of you, he said, you just keep running toward that brick wall. He said, when you get to that brick wall, guess what? The Lord opened a, a hole through that wall that you'll go through. He said, if he told you to go through that wall, believe me, there'll be a hole there when you get there. You know what that is? That's trust. It is his trust. Don't go away and say, Mike is now a Stanleyite. I'm not. I, somebody out there will probably do that. But that's okay. I know what I am. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I didn't commit it to nobody else. Uh, verse 1, one uh, verse 3. He said, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, uh, and upholding all things by the word of his power, and when he had by himself purged our sin, your sin was purged by him, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels. He purged our sin. He said he had to go to heaven to purge us finally and get that thing out of it. He had to go and make the offering, get rid of it. Uh, he had to do that because of his ascension. Uh, he, he demonstrated that sins were purged. Uh, he, he demonstrated uh, that we can now come boldly in prayer. prayer. Hebrews 4, 14 and 6 says, come boldly unto the throne of grace. Uh, because he ascended, uh, ascended, we can now uh, be saved to the uttermost. Now, I don't know about you, but I like being saved to the uttermost. I like uttermost stuff. I like stuff that's uttermost, that's more than most. It's uttermost. It's way, way past that, man. You don't have to worry about it. He's got us. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, Hebrews 7 uh, 25. He can lift sinners from the cesspool, man. You got to get over what you see in people's lives and how messed up they are. You are too. So am I. He could get him out of the cesspools, man. I like that, man. He can get right down there, just, just all the way down. He'll go down and get him. He'll bring him into heaven. Uh, he was a, he he did it uh, to the uttermost. He he uh, he stands as your goal at the end of your journey. Now let me ask you a question: Is your is your journey heaven, or is your journey success? What is your journey in life? He stands at the goal at the end of the journey. Positionally, we are seated in him, Ephesians 2.6. I'm going to stop right here. He ascended, and I'm going to finish it right here. I'm at the end. How about that? He ascended that he might fulfill all things, Ephesians 4.10. says, he that descended is the same that also ascended up far above all heavens that he might fulfill all, all, all. You know what all means? All. All things are fulfilled in Jesus. All, all, 100%, all. There is nothing you can do down here that's not in Christ that will do anything for you there unless you get into what he's done. He has fulfilled all things. Now he, now he, that he has ascended, angels, authorities, and powers are subject. I just read that. But in 1 Peter 3.23, says, Who has gone into the heavens and is at the right hand of God? That's where he's at. Stephen said that. Your whole Bible says that. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word. You got to get to the place where you believe but Let me ask you a question Do you believe that tonight? Does your life in this world, outside of this church, does your life reflect Jesus Christ? Could I ask you to come up here tonight and stand before this, this little pulpit right here and stand here and give a testimony of Jesus Christ in your life and you come up here and do it with heart? With heart well, I'm glad Jesus saved me, and I'm glad my mom and dad did this, and I'm glad, okay, that's it, I'm done. That's not a very good testimony. That's, that's adequate for somebody who just gets saved, but after 10, 12 years being you know, in church, you should come up and say, man, the Lord's really done something for me, and the Lord's really done something for me, and the Lord's really done something for me, the Lord's really done something for me, and he's done this, and he's done that, and he's done this, and he's done that. Man, if he hadn't done this, I wouldn't have. I mean, you know what that is? They went through their trials and tribulations, and, and the Lord got them through it. And they got them through some happy times and some sad times. And all the way through there, they're sitting there telling you what the Lord did for them. That's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we should have. We, it isn't that we just know anything. Uh, he's gone into heavenly places. He's, who has gone into heaven, 1 Peter 3.22, who's gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. His ascension became his coronation. Boy, could you imagine the day he walked into heaven? I mean, he left heaven and all the angels are going like, why would you leave this place for that? I mean, they don't know. They just know right from wrong. That's all they know. Uh, they just said, they're going, why, why, God, why would you leave? Why, why, why would you leave this? He said, I got a plan. And then they're looking over the bowels of heaven and they're watching him go through. And they watch on Calvary and it's like Lord saying, St- stay back. Don't come down here. Michael, Gabriel, hold them back. Hold them back. Just keep them back up there, man. I know they want to come down here, but this is something I got to do and just me. And they look down over heaven and the angels watch him do what they're doing. And I'm telling you what, you want to, I bet you a group of men, masculine angels wanting to come down here and just rip a universe apart. They had started at the outermost edges of the universe. And by the time they got to earth, they would have been nothing left of this place. And the Lord held them back. Why? For you. You're going to know that one day. When you get to heaven, far above the angels, you're going to know that. You can know that right now. Ascension. Why did he ascend? This is the last one, so he could become one of the six articles of the mystery. Go to First Timothy three sixteen, and we'll be done. I hope I didn't hurt your feelings too much tonight. First Timothy three sixteen, brother. I think it's a serious. I think the Lord's coming back. I think he's coming back really, really soon. I got a message I'm going to do. Uh, Sunday, I can't. Man, we got a missionary coming in tomorrow. Brother Chester's coming in. And uh, I, he called me five or six times. And I, I said, man, I got to get him in here. Got to get him in here. And, and then finally, I said, brother, just give me a date. And, and uh, he had a couple other dates that, that he was trying to work around. I said, look, you work around those dates and then call me up with a date that you got open. So he's going to be here Sunday morning. And then uh, he's going to stay in the apartment back here. It's just old, old saint. Uh, out serving God. That's all he was doing. I remember, I, you know what? God will put people in your mind sometimes and you'll never forget them. I was over at Charity one day and an old missionary came in. He's from uh, South America someplace. I forget exactly where. And he, he said, I mean, just just a frail old man. And he goes, you know, I get up every morning and I read a couple of verses and go out and serve God. One or two verses. And I'm like... You know, I said, I know a lot of people who go out and read their Bible four times a year. And they probably don't do as much as that guy does in reading two verses. I said, that guy will get more out of two verses and go out and do something with what he got. It's like the little lady with the two mites. I mean, she, that's all she had. And she would go out and do more with all she had than what most of us would do with everything we got. For some reason, we don't. we're afraid to let go of what we got. But brother, until you let go of what you got, you'll never know what you have. I mean, you'll you can't ever know it. Yeah, he said that. I, that that old preacher always of all the messages, man, that I've heard in my life, that one's right up there with Doctor Rutman. I'm telling you, man, that old guy. I can't even tell you what the guy's name was today. I just remember him getting up here and everybody gasping. <gasps> You're not reading ten chapters a day, five Psalms and a Proverb. What is up with that? Heresy. I'm sitting there going, man, two verses and he's in South America. (laughs) I'm like, I mean, I'd have to more than have two verses to go back to South America and where it live. I mean, they cook good and stuff, but live down there is a totally different thing. First Peter, first Timothy chapter three. I'll stop right here. And without controversy, there is no controversy. Everything I just said, there's no controversy. There is none. If If there is controversy, it's because you're an unbeliever. If there's controversy, you have no faith. If there's controversy with what I'm saying here, this is Bible, this is not me. You have a problem, not me. I don't have a problem. And without controversy, there is no controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. That's Jesus Christ, by the way. Justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received, ascended into glory. Now, brother, the ascension is a real, real thing. Your, your salvation depends on him coming up out of that grave and ascending out of that grave. But the ascension didn't stop at the tomb. It ended with him at heaven. And it don't end there. He's coming back, like he said. As those angels go back to Acts chapter 1, and we're done. Acts chapter 1. Boy, you ever want an angel to talk to you? I'm afraid to get an angel to talk to me. I'd really like it sometime, but I'm afraid to because it'll probably make me shut up. Every guy that ever talked to one, man, they just, he just they nail him. You can't, I mean, they do something to you, man, and you can't do nothing for nine or 10 months. <laughs> he says, uh, and when he had spoken, verse nine, Acts 1, 9, he says, and when he had spoken these things, Jesus Christ, while they beheld, he was taken up, And and the cloud received him out of their sight. They probably felt the same way we do most of the time. What do we do now? He's gone. I mean, following somebody is different than leading. Leading, uh, somebody who can lead will will make a path that is right. You can follow, guess what? You can follow Jesus Christ after he's gone because he's not dead. He's risen. The angels go on. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven... As he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. God never leaves you comfortless. He never leaves you by yourself. Which also said, ye men of Galilee. Now this is an angel talking, brethren. They're just pretty, they're just straightforward. They don't, they don't know what else to do. Which also said, you men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Well, hey man, you know, like we've been with him like forever, almost since the beginning of time. And he's always been this way. He's there. We've seen him do all kinds of stuff. He goes, why do y'all have a problem with that? Well, they haven't seen it yet. And some of us haven't seen it. We haven't let it into our lives like it should be. Which also said, you men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus... The one you just seen, which is taking up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. He's coming back. The ascension didn't stop when he went up. And it's not going to end when he comes back. It's going to go on and on and on and on. And I want to be part of it. Now I don't know about you, but you know what I learned? In the Navy, this is what I learned. Uh, A good friend of mine told me one time, I wanted to take Bible college all over again, so I couldn't. He wouldn't let me, man. I'm like, I felt, I felt hurt, man. He let y'all take it, but he wouldn't let me take it. I'm like, why not? And he goes, because you learned everything you need to learn in the Navy. You know what I learned in the Navy? That all you have to do is pick up a, uh, a book and read it, and they tell you what to do. And I had an old senior chief tell me something one time. He said, Mike, all you got to do is do what you're told to do yeah. for six years. You signed up for six years, right? I said, yes, sir. He said, I'm not a sir. I'm a, I'm a enlisted just like you where we're, you don't say sir unless it's an officer. I said, yes, sir. Senior, I won't call you sir no more, senior. Promise. No more sir, sir. And he just looks at me like you're an idiot. <laughs> and he goes, all you have to do is what you're told. And I said, okay. You know what I realized? Is that if I did what I was told, and once I did what I was told, that happened too quick. There has to be something more than that. So then I started finding other things to do. And then I would add other things to what I was told. So I did everything I was told plus some. And then I was looking, you know why? Because I wanted to be a sailor. I didn't want to be anything else. Now I was saved and on my way to heaven. And I knew that. And I told everybody about Jesus back then too. But I wanted to be a sailor. I really wanted to be a sailor. That's why I became a sailor. I wanted to be one since I was a little kid. And I got to be one. And I look at all these people around me and nobody wants to be a sailor. Then why'd you join the Navy? It'd be kind of lonely if there was only one guy out there. But I mean, to me, that's just the way I think. I don't know how to think any other way. Well, if I got saved, shouldn't I try to be a Christian? Would, would it not just stand a reason? If, if what you're doing in the world gets in the way of you and Jesus Christ, if that goes away first, not him. I've been doing that my whole life, man. I've, I've done stuff side by side with Jesus Christ. Until the point where this thing gets in the way of that. When it gets in the way of him, that goes away. Because this is going to be a detriment to that. And on the end of this thing is me with him forever and ever and ever. He has sent, everything he's done is for eternity. There's an eternity past, time, and eternity future. Now, I don't know how, I don't know how you figure that out. Eternity is eternity to me. But there's a thing out here in the future that I'm going to go forever and ever and ever. And I'm not going to waste it down here. I'm going to do down here what I have. have people say, why do you do everything? Because I ain't got much time left. I'm going to get gun done what I think he told me to do. And then when he calls me out of here, I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Don't know if he'll say that. But that's what I'm shooting for. That's my goal. What is yours? Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. I do pray that you would help us, to, Lord, realize that this is a real, real thing. Uh, Lord, uh, uh, the world just sees Easter as one time. They call it Easter. It's really Resurrection Sunday. But, Lord, they don't even know what they're worshiping or they're, they're celebrating. They're just looking for a place to go out and have fun and get drunk and, and get some uh, Easter eggs and some jelly beans and a few other things here and there. And then they forget about it until Christmas comes up. I got the 4th of July in there and a few others. And they're just looking from one holiday to the next holiday so they can party and get drunk and do whatever. Lord, but that's not what we should be doing. Uh, Lord, uh, those days are days for us to remember what you did at specific times, and Lord, that what you did goes on. You, you didn't remain a baby in a manger, and Lord, at creation, when you said, in the beginning God created, you didn't just stay at that day of creation. Uh, Lord, you moved all the way. There was a purpose behind everything you did, and Lord, there is still a purpose by what you're doing today, and Lord, help us to see that uh, this world, Lord, tries to blind us. Tries to get us to look its way and tries to get us to look at the wealth and everything else. And, Lord, that's all part of it. I know there's, there's rich people, there's, there's poor people, and there's going to be everybody in between. And, Lord, that's just the way you planned it. And, Lord, you give some the ability to do stuff that others can't do. And, and Lord, that's okay. Help, help those that can't do it and not get jealous of those who do do it. And, Lord, help those that do. Uh, be he's Always remind the rich, Lord that, uh, Lord, that they be not high-minded, Lord, that, that they know that uh, what they have was given to them, uh, the grace of God, uh, gave them what they got, uh, but Lord, uh, our minds and our hearts all through this thing should be set on thee, and our vision is toward thee, and Lord, uh, one day we're going to come and see you, and, and Lord, uh, you're going to look at us, and at that point, Lord, we're going to know what we had the opportunity to do. Maybe we don't understand the opportunity you've given us, Lord, I pray tonight that you'd help us to see the opportunity you've given us to serve you in these last times, and Father, again, we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' precious holy name, amen, 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 amen. If y'all don't mind, uh, Beth and myself are going to go down and see Brother Dave in the hospital. He's he, he come out of surgery. He's doing good. Uh, I was going to try to get down here today, but a couple other things came up, and I didn't get a chance to go get him, but I would like to go see him before he comes out uh, and just say hi to him and make him feel like we love him. He's a biker, man. He, just, you know, he, he doesn't think people love him. Amen.